Good morning. Welcome, Lawrence and Martha. Thank you for being with us this morning. And for all who are visiting or members, we are so glad that you're here. My name is Carrie Gleason. I am the Director of Student Ministries. So along with Van, I get to spend uh, all of my time with our students and leaders and volunteer teams. And we just returned last week from our final camp. Student Ministries and Kids Ministries run all of our own camps during the summertime. Um, And so we just returned from taking 140 senior high students to Colorado with 40 adult leaders. Um, And they had a blast taking hikes at 5 in the morning. They were optional. I opted out of every one of them. Um, uh, There are some things that sleep is just more important than. Um, But they just had a blast. And they played volleyball. And they went on hikes. And they hung in hammocks, and uh, at night they got to hear about how Jesus wants to have an encounter with us, and through that encounter transforms us, Um, and it was beautiful, and they responded uh, in many ways, and uh, some of them took really big steps of faith, and some of them took baby steps of faith, and we um, are praising God for all of it, so that's a little bit about student ministries right now. We are continuing our series in the prophets. We've covered Jeremiah and Habakkuk, Isaiah, uh, Amos, and this morning we're going to be looking at Ezekiel. The prophets have a lot to teach us. Some of their lessons are not lessons we want to hear, not lessons we want to be taught, because some of their lessons are pretty harsh. Um, And God speaks through his prophets in a very direct and bold way. Um, And sometimes that's not always what we are looking for in life. And I can only imagine some of the prophets not wanting to teach it, too. I kept thinking to myself as I was looking through Ezekiel and studying Ezekiel, thinking, you know what, God? I don't really love this. I mean, this, I'll just, I don't want to be your messenger at this point. I can just imagine that that's how some of them must have felt, but they were compelled by the message that they were receiving and the God that they served to go to a people who needed time out and who were in time out because they constantly would go close to God and follow him and then go their own way. The Israelites throughout the Old Testament drew near to God and loved him and then would say, nope, we've got this, we're good, we don't need you, and became very rebellious. It made me think of a a verse in Hebrews that says, no discipline is enjoyable while it's happening, it's painful. But afterwards, but afterwards, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in the way. So, we're going to dive into Ezekiel and get to know this prophet a little bit better this morning, but first let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for the lessons that the prophets have for us. We thank you that we can spend an extended amount of time sitting in the Old Testament and learning from their voices. We pray that your Holy Spirit would fill this room this morning that we would hear what you would like us to hear, that we would learn that what you would like us to learn, that our hearts 
and our ears and our eyes would be open to you and you alone. Speak, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. So let's give a little background to where Ezekiel was. At the time that Ezekiel was called to be a prophet, the Babylonian Empire reigned in the entire region of what is now the Middle East. Um, The Babylonians just kept extending their kingdom and eventually reached Jerusalem and took many Jews and their king into exile back back to Babylon where they became refugees, slaves, where they were in captivity. The Babylonians were under the reign of King Nebuchadnezzar, which is a king that is heard of um, quite a lot in another book um, with another famous story, I guess, from the Bible with three men in a furnace. Um, But Nebuchadnezzar was on his kick of just taking as much land as possible. And so Ezekiel happens right around the same time that Jeremiah and Daniel are also called to be prophets, which um, as I was looking at it and studying, I thought, you know, that's kind of cool that, that there were three major prophets speaking to God's people all during this time of upheaval um, and this time where they were exiled and out of their homeland, away from their city, away from their temple. The Jews had no connection Um, with that which was familiar to them and comfortable to them and that which was the place where they worshipped and found God. Ezekiel is um, an autobiography. His book is told in the first person, so we get to learn a lot about who he is from his perspective. He was of a priestly family. He was being raised to be a priest um, which means he would have been accepted by the Jewish people. He would have been comforted, comforting to the Jewish people, especially in their time of exile. However, in the midst of him and the Jewish people being called into exile, he was called to be a prophet, which means that his priestly comfort needed to transition over to a more bold message, direct rebuke message towards the Israelites because of what they had chosen to do, the behavior that they had chosen to engage in, the type of people that they had become. So he had to discern the call and the voice of God and then speak it to the people. And more than any other prophet, he was directed to be involved himself personally in the divine word by acting out in prophetic symbolism. He was called to lie on his side for 390 days. 390 days, he just lied, laid on his side. To symbolize the sin that the Israelites had committed. 390 days. Again, something I think I would say to God, I'm good. I'm sure there's someone else that you can use instead. But throughout the 48 chapters of Ezekiel, we see the theme of God's sovereignty. God is free to judge, and he's free to be gracious when he chooses. Ezekiel's message focuses uniquely on Israel as a holy people, of the holy temple, of a holy city that was deemed unclean at the time. They were put in captivity, and during this captivity, or this time out, God wanted to have a word with them. 
I don't believe that much is different today. And when I look at the Israelites and I look at the choices that they made, there's a lot of parallels to who we are today and to what we choose to do with our lives today. It's totally possible today to live one's life paying absolutely no attention to God. We live in a world that can tr- where we can truly live our lives completely independently of God. And in the midst of that, live a seemingly purposeful, meaningful life. Emphasis, seemingly. We can live completely and utterly away and independently of God and think that it's totally fine. The Jewish people were intentionally living independently of God. And in that, they began to experience some of the consequences, some of the reactions that came with living apart from God, with living isolated from God. And God was not going to stand for it any longer. It reminds me of a phrase that my mom used multiple times a day sometimes with my sister and I growing up. And it was, Carrie, you've got to own your choices. She meant by that was you have to acknowledge that you chose this. That you chose to disobey me or your father. That you chose to make a decision. You have to own your choices. And God was coming to the Israelites and saying at this time, it is time for you to own your choices. You have chosen to live independently from me. You have chosen to isolate yourself from me. You have chosen to walk away from me and to rebel. And as we look throughout the book of Ezekiel, there are a few verses that that popped out to me as God's direct um, rebuke or reprimand of these people. In uh, chapter 3, verse 7, he says, But the people of Israel, they're not willing to listen to you, because they're not willing to listen to me. The whole house of Israel is hardened and obstinate. He goes on in verse 12, and God says to Ezekiel, Son of man, you are living among a rebellious people. They have eyes to see, but do not see, and ears to hear, but do not hear, for they are rebellious. Chapter 14, therefore speak to them and tell them that this is what the sovereign Lord says. When any of the Israelites set up idols in their hearts and put a wicked stumbling block before their faces and then go to a prophet, I, the Lord, will answer them myself in keeping with their great idolatry. Chapter 16, but you trusted in your beauty and used your fame to become a prostitute. You lavished your favors on anyone who passed by, and your beauty became his. Again in chapter 16, Woe, woe to you, declares the sovereign Lord. In addition to all of your other wickedness, you built a mound for yourself and made a lofty shrine in every public square. You engaged in prostitution with the Assyrians, too, because you were insatiable. And even after that, you were still not satisfied. In the pride of your heart, you say, I am a God. I sit on the throne of a God in the heart of the sea. But you are a man. You are not a God, though you think you are as wise as one. 
These people were lost. They were acting incredibly foolish. They weren't only in physical captivity. They were in mental captivity and emotional captivity and spiritual captivity. Captivity refers to anything that has a grip on you. And as I was reading and studying, the question that kept coming back to the forefront of my mind was, Carrie, where are you in captivity? What has a grip on you? Where do you think that God's authority and God's sovereignty don't apply to you? And where do you try and live independently of God? I really like having control of my own life. I really like having control. And I'm a fairly independent person. And so as I was processing this and as I was reading through Scripture, it kept coming back to I live in a lot of the same way. I want my independence. I want my own control. God's authority is difficult. But what God wanted to show the Israelites, what he wants to show me, and what he wants to show you, wherever your captivity is found, is that his authority isn't awful. His authority is actually liberating. Because his sovereignty provides a way for us to live fully. Sovereignty is talked about over 65 times in the book of Ezekiel. Over 65 times, God says, Then they will know that I am the Lord. They had forgotten who was God. Who was the created and who was the creator? They had forgotten. He called them out of this. But as we see throughout the book, his tone also has that of one that wants to call them back. He doesn't just say to them, you are a rebellious people. Good night. He says, you are a rebellious people, but I have a way. I have a life for you. Follow me. He pursues them, and he gives them hope. He says in Ezekiel chapter 11, Therefore, this is what the Sovereign Lord says, I will gather you from the nations and bring you back from the countries where you have been scattered, and I will give you back to the land of Israel again. I'm going to pursue you. You might be rebellious. You might not deserve the grace and the love and the compassion that I have for you, but I'm going to give it to you anyway because you are my people. He says, Therefore you will no longer see false visions or practice divination. I will save my people from your hands, and then you will know that I am the Lord. I will do this to recapture the hearts of the people of Israel who have all deserted me for their idols. Then my wrath against you will subside, and my jealous anger will turn away from you. I will be calm and no longer angry, he says in chapter 16. And towards the end of Ezekiel, his tone 
continues to change. His pursuit gets stronger and stronger of these people. And he repeats himself and says, I will show you the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations. The name you have profaned. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord. I am proved holy through you before their eyes. For I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all of the other countries and bring you back to your own land, continuing to repeat himself, saying, I'm here. I'm going to get you. I'm going to pursue you. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all of your idols. I will give you a new heart. And put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Then you will know that I am the Lord. The hand of the Lord was on me, Ezekiel says, and he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them. And I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophecy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord said to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. He pursues the Israelites. He pursues us. And he said, you might be a rebellious people. You might be an independent people that has turned to your own ways. But I'm going to come get you. I'm going to follow you with my love, with my pursuit. And I'm going to get you and follow you so far as Calvary so that you can have a right relationship with me, so that you can know and experience to the depths of your being my love for you. God said, if, 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 you, if they only knew what life I could give them. He's talking about breathing life into dry, dead bones putting them back together so that they're fully human again and fully living again. Jesus did that for us. God saw us as a people and said, they need life. They need life on earth and they need eternal life. So I'm going to go to them and I'm going to live a perfect life and I'm going to pursue them to the ends of the earth, to my execution, to my death, to my burial, and to my resurrection, so that they know that I am the Lord, and I will stop at nothing to get them back. 
the Israelites heard from Ezekiel that sin and their foolishness didn't just make them bad. Their sin and their foolishness made them dead. But God came to them, and God came to us through the person of Jesus Christ to say, I'm not making you good. I'm going to make you alive. And I know that we all come into, through these doors and into this place with different circumstances, with different situations, in different places in our spiritual journeys. Some of us walking with Jesus and having a relationship with Jesus for decades. And some of us still unsure. And that's okay. God pursues us exactly where we're at. No matter what life has thrown at us, no matter where we have been or what we have done, no matter what has been done to us, no matter what circumstances we face that we don't understand, he comes and he wants to breathe new life into us. Paul says that he is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever hope or imagine. He is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever hope or imagine. He is able to breathe life into dead bones. He is able. He offers life. He offers a new breath. 2 Corinthians says that therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. Life has been breathed into him or her, and they live. Ezekiel's story is a story of hope. Hope of God's relentless pursuit of his people of him trying to help his people see their foolishness, to own their choices, but to accept his choice to give them life. He is sovereign. He is in control. And that sovereignty provides liberation from our captivity for us. It's a story that was offered to the Israelites, and it's a story that's offered to us. Let's pray. God, thank you that you provide a way for us to know you, to know you deeply in the midst of our captivity, in the midst of our desire to live independently from you. I pray that you would meet us there. I praise you that you provide a way for us to find freedom through Jesus Christ. May we be a people that is willing to be authentic, to be vulnerable, to admit that we need you, to admit that our foolishness has led us to captivity. Meet us where we are and breathe life into us. In your name we pray. Amen. We are going to enter into a time of confession, but our time of confession this morning will look a little bit differently. 
we are going to read a call and response. The response will be both in spoken word and in song that Heather will lead us in. The words are in your bulletin or will be up on the screen. So let us offer prayer of confession together. Lord, we come to you aware of our guilt, our mistakes, our brokenness, and recognize that apart from you, we are lost. Call us back to our best selves, and with your spirit, breathe new life into us.